0: Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. This is Maria Liberati. So what does food mean to you? Well, this week, my guests are Mark Meriwether Vonderbruggen. He is a PhD, a forager, a chemist, a medical doctor. And he's going to share with us, you know, Mark has been here before. He's going to share with us some tips on how to use herbs to not only make your dishes delicious, but also some healthy reasons that you should be using certain herbs. And my other guest is a spectacular artist, Randall Good. He has been recently featured in People Magazine because he painted a Sistine-like chapel painting on the ceiling of a private home in Texas. And he did this during the pandemic. And uh, Randall has done some other incredible works of art. He's truly a modern-day Renaissance artist. And you'll definitely want to stay tuned for this interview. If you're an art lover, just an incredible story. And he's getting ready to do another type of painting on the ceiling another incredible work of art and also this week I was interviewed on porch.com about the best items to have in an Italian kitchen or what my favorite items my go-to items are for an Italian kitchen so I'm going to tell you all about that but I just want to remind you that um, if you are in the Philadelphia area I will be doing a cooking demo and a book signing at the Horsham farmers market it's in Horsham Pennsylvania and that will be from 10 to 1 today there's also some other great vendors there with artisan products so you know definitely check it out check out the market and please stop by and say hi you know it's Halloween and uh, all the vendors are giving treats also if you wear a costume so you know if if you want to bring the kids and they want to wear their costumes please do and please stop by and say hi i'd love to see you so as mentioned i was asked by porch.com on the go-to items to have for an italian kitchen so the question was is there a cookware item that italian recipes would benefit from having in the kitchen My answer is the Italian kitchen is usually filled with basic items and utensils, but nothing high tech. In all my working and home kitchens, I always have the following items that I can't do without. These are the first items that I stock a kitchen with and then build upon this. And this is for my home or professional kitchen. A stainless steel pasta cooker with strainer to make great pasta dishes a deep dish pan to make lasagna a saute pan to make risotto and also tomato sugo a wooden spoon, a stainless steel skillet for frittatas, a cheese grater that will grate fine coarse and shave cheese, and a wooden board for making pasta. Do you have any other go-to items that you'd like to share with us or items that you think are really something you can't do without in your kitchen, especially if you have an Italian kitchen? If you do, please share it with us on social media, hashtag the Maria Liberati Show. If you want to share your name, where you're from, we may share that on an upcoming podcast you can also add it to the comment section on my blog share that and again hashtag the Maria Liberati show so we know we'll share it on one of the upcoming podcasts and you will be entered in a giveaway for this month's drawing for a copy of one of my books you know each month at the end of the month we usually do a giveaway in this month we're doing a giveaway of one of my books from the basic art of Italian cooking so you know please share Again, one of our favorite guests, Dr. Mark Mary of Bruggen. Uh, you know, he's a forager, chemist, herbalist. Did I miss anything?
1: Husband, father.
0: Uh, yes, well, they're all important. <laughs>
1: things,
0: but uh, today um, he's going to uh, tell us about one of our favorite herbs, sage, and possibly another too, Rosemary. So, um, tell us about about sage are there different varieties of sage so
1: yeah yes and no there there is the salvia officinalis which is the traditional culinary sages but there Mm -hmm. are other plants that are called sage that are close relatives but usually in your kitchen if you are using sage Uh you are using that one specific species okay and that is the traditional culinary sage but like with so many culinary uh, spices Uh their original use was medicine Mm -hmm. and they just happen to taste good they go well with chicken things like that so they thought you know let's just keep including this and yeah and sage is so wonderful as both a spice and it's medicinal and health properties, that, that's something I try and have every day.
0: Oh, really? So tell I, me more, Humphrey.
1: Okay, so
0: like the big thing. So when
1: you think of sage, the <laughs> name really comes from the wise people, you know, the, 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 the scholars and so forth. And they would drink a lot of sage tea as they were doing their studies because uh-huh. it helps a lot with the brain among other things wow. so it's really cool there are some compounds in sage uh-huh. that block the breakdown of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine acetylcholine uh-huh. depending on how you want to say that yes and so the acety- acetylcholine is very important for memory recall so not just memorizing things but bringing it back out of the memory yes uh problem solving cognition oh. pretty much any sort of mental activity wow. sage helps with that mm-hmm. uh, before i came out with the brain pill which includes sage and a few other things in there i would put about eighth of a teaspoon of sage in my coffee grounds every morning for making my pot of coffee and take the sage that way. It's a slightly acquired taste and I just like black coffee and then with the sage in it and it was fine. If you put cream or sugar, that sort of stuff, you won't even notice it.
0: Oh, but wow. it's
1: a great way of just getting the sage every morning make sure
0: you get that in your yeah that's a good gr- that's definitely a good way i i started doing sometimes i'll do ground turmeric too
1: oh yep but okay um, <laughs> ground
0: turmeric and sage because i you can't really taste it and at least right. i make sure if i don't put it in something i'm getting it so that's a great idea but sage is also good i love it in bean soup i always throw Ooh. a couple of leaves in the bean soup dried leaves obviously and um mm-hmm. Uh, you know let that cook in there and and get, it really gives it a, a, a lot of flavor so that's why then it's called sage because it's uh the people that used to drink it right uh, yeah
1: it was their secret weapon for being smarter than everyone else
0: yes yeah so
1: and, and and being smart nowadays is a good benefit it is <laughs> it's definitely still in, a so.
0: good a good thing <laughs> definitely so, definitely
1: but yeah but as far as sage that's really just the start of uh-huh. its benefits another really important thing for a lot of people is just one uh, teaspoon of dried sage a day like i said uh-huh. what i'm putting in my coffee gives you 10 of the vitamin k that you need every day oh, so wow. that's particularly good for bone strength and if you have any uh weak bones or low bone density things like that sage is going
0: to help wow gonna and that's help. a teaspoon did you say what? yeah
1: yeah just one teaspoon Uh and what's nice is usually if you're making just sage tea not even mixing it in with your coffee but sage tea Uh you just go with one teaspoon of dried sage Uh and a cup of hot water Uh and drink like one cup of that a day Uh just to have a nice you know so you can tap the mental abilities yes but uh among the other things you're getting when you're doing that you're getting over 160 different antioxidants Oh my goodness. So you're getting a whole plethora of these different antioxidants that have all sorts of beneficial properties in your bodies. Yes. Uh, one of the ways you can think of antioxidants, and I'm going to dance along the edge of the FDA here. Yes.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> but When you hear antioxidant, one thing you should be thinking is anti-cancer,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. one of the things that causes cancer is what's called the free radical damage of your DNA. Oh yeah. So certain things can cause these highly reactive molecules called free uh, free radicals. Think of oh. them as hand grenades oh. floating around inside your cells. And one thing that is really good at forming these bad free radicals is stress. Mm. The body is not designed for long periods of stress. We're designed for short periods of stress that we get through, get over, and you know get back to being happy. But nowadays in modern life, that's kind of difficult yeah so when you're under stress one of the side effects of something like the cortisol and some of the other molecules your body makes is the side effect of these free radicals these free radicals love to attack the dna of your cells
0: oh wow
1: so they flit you know they fit perfectly against the dna and basically blow it up mm-hmm. if you're lucky they completely destroy the dna and kill that cell uh-huh. Which sounds like a bad thing, but your body is—you know—the cells only have a certain lifespan, and then they die and get replaced anyway.
0: Right, right. The problem
1: occurs if that free radical damages the part of the DNA mm-hmm. that is responsible for this pre-programmed cell death, because now the cell does not die, and it just keeps reproducing and reproducing, and that is one of the types of our cancer. Right. is when a cell that is supposed to die doesn't and just keeps reproducing uncontrolled. Oh, wow. So the uh, the sage taking the, the one teaspoon in a cup of hot water each day mm-hmm. has been shown to fight things like cancer of the mouth, the colon, the liver, the cervix, the breast, skin and kidney.
0: Oh, oh my goodness.
1: There's great scientific. You know, like it's. I'm a chemist. I have a, a master's in medicinal chemistry, yes. a Ph.D. in physical organic chemistry. I wanted to become a medicine maker for the pharmaceutical industry, but then I've realized plants are much better. Yes. Um, but so these are all things that have scientific proof. They've studies shown they reduce the incidences or slow down the growth of it. So oh, wow. you definitely want to have sage just as you know a daily anti-cancer preventative.
0: Oh, yes. And it's so easy, as you said, if you just want to make a tea
2: mm-hmm. and
0: or Um, you know, add some ground sage to a coffee or something that you're taking um, that day.
1: Yeah, and you had mentioned like you take turmeric. Are you familiar with golden milk? Just to go sideways for a second. Yeah, so it's turmeric and cinnamon and honey and stuff mixed in milk or coconut milk if you don't want the dairy milk. Really good stuff. You can throw sage in that. It goes really well with that too because then you get all the anti-inflammatory effects from the turmeric yeah. And the the all the benefits from the sage. And so the let's sage talk well. more. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, definitely. So it makes it bumps it up even more. Mm-hmm. So um, and any I anything about like growing sage in your kitchen or is it an Ooh. easy plan to grow?
1: Oh yeah, sage is very easy to grow. So it- it's originally the, the Selvia Salvia analysis one, it was originally from the Mediterranean area. Uh-huh. So it likes a slightly drier warm sunny climate so full sun sort of plant if you have great. like down here in Houston where I'm at it grows great just about all year round
0: oh wow if
1: I plant it in full sun and just give it a bit of water it goes yep I'm happy here
0: wow but, well, well, I uh, know I have like an herb I have an herb garden I have some grow lights on it so yeah. as I told you I'm on the east coast so when it yeah. gets chilly I guess the grow lights and I haven't really grown sage yet but yeah. I it's definitely one I'm going to try to uh yeah, it do
1: does great like on a windowsill, you know, if you have uh-huh. a south facing windowsill or like you say, some grow lights and it's a nice, fairly compact sort of thing. So you don't, you know, it, it doesn't get tall and, you know, leggy. It stays, you know, if you're it, it stays fairly round and right. And
0: so you're good to go there. Wow. That's so great. yeah, okay. uh, it goes really that's great. So sage. So I know we were we, we still have some time and it's um, it, it actually is Italian American heritage and cultural month. So you had mentioned this herb rosemary and rosemary, you know, is used in tons of Italian mm-hmm. and recipes so tell us about rosemary and the benefits of rosemary
1: okay let me give you two more benefits of the sage yes so again going back to the sage tea it is antimicrobial especially towards the bacteria that cause cavities in your mouth
0: oh wow
1: so think of it as almost like a you know a a mouthwash that kills the bacteria that's responsible for cavities is really good
0: natural mouthwash definitely yeah
1: and then also it helps uh (laughs) <laughs> i'm getting ahead of my mind. so it helps reduce blood sugar
0: uh-huh oh, and
1: also improves your sense sensitivity to insulin so if you're having oh, problems gosh. so think of it as something to help with with weight loss and weight yeah, control and type 2 diabetes yes jumping over to rosemary now yes. it has a lot of the similar compounds they're they're very they're fairly closely related right and so they have you know Rosemary has all the powers of Sage in far as memory, recall, oh. cognition, all that sort of thing. And in fact, the scent of Rosemary mm-hmm. uh, has been shown to greatly increase recall. Oh. So if you're taking a test or something, you have a little bit of the rosemary essential oil. Yes. You know, dabbed somewhere that you can smell, it shows that it helps you bring stuff back out of your brain. Oh, wow. Um, one of the things I love, there was a hotel chain I used to stay at that they had a rosemary shampoo, uh, shampoo <gasps> and just, ah, rosemary. And then my hair would smell like ros- This is when I had hair as long as yours. So
0: you, <laughs> yeah, you had and so
1: I just had this cloud of rosemary around me and it was so yeah, good. I know
0: I, when I smell rosemary, I do, rosemary is one of the things that I grow. When I smell that odor, it just, it just, it just puts me in another world. I love the odor of rosemary,
1: and in so, fact, it's been shown to improve mood.
0: There you go, and it. make That's you why feel I mean. better. That's right. And why so, I
1: mean. it just, just, just the scent of it again is so It's it so key. There's something in our DNA that says. Yes, this plant, it makes me feel good. It helps me remember good things. It also helps reduce the cortisol. I talked about stress causing oh, the cortisol. The yeah. So it's a little bit better than the sage, even for helping flush out the, 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 the stress cortisol sort of thing.
0: Wow, wow. The
1: sage protects you against the free radicals. The rosemary right. helps prevent them from forming to begin with from the cortisol.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Another oh. thing rosemary does is it helps thinning hair. I've heard so, about that. Yeah. yeah. So again, uh, consuming it helps. Uh, basically, it, it basically cl- declogs the hair pores from inside the body. Oh, there you go. So very good out. that way. Yeah. It does have the blood sugar control and the uh-huh. insulin, improved insulin sensitivity thing of sage too.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, so. Wow. so that also has a mm-hmm. for that. Eh? Yes. And, and the funny thing is, well, it's not really funny, but, you know, I know in in europe uh from living there everybody uses herbs and you can find them everywhere Mm -hmm. and in the us you know a lot of people either don't know what to do with them or just don't even bother using them and or i mean i know they are really expensive if you get them at the supermarket Mm -hmm. usually but, uh, you know, I always recommend have your own little kitchen garden. It's so cheap. Just grow all these herbs yeah. and spices. There are so many benefits to them. And not only that, they add so much flavor mm-hmm. to whatever you make. It's just I, I can't understand when people don't <laughs> add. Uh, you know, one of my favorite dishes, you talked about rosemary and uh you just roast potatoes in the oven with extra virgin olive oil and some dried rosemary, Mm -hmm. even some of the stalks of the rosemary, you put them in there and it just fills your house with this odor of rosemary, but the flavor of the potatoes with the rosemary is just, oh, so good.
1: I love doing a spatchcock chicken, you know, where you cut out the backbone and butterfly it down and just put it on a mound of rosemary and then rosemary under the skin, a little lemon on it, a little butter. Oh, my God. Exactly. it's yeah.
0: great with poultry and, too definitely yeah yes.
1: and you can make a rosemary tea again just one teaspoon and you know, if you got a test coming up or something at work where yes. you need to have, you know your memory needs to be sharp yes. rosemary 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 wow. a couple of sprigs in a vase on your desk uh-huh good stuff good oh, wow. stuff and it does grow very easily all over the place too
0: Yeah it does I notice it does grow easily and some some species actually grow like in the snow I mean they're really mm-hmm. hardy depending on what you do so oh that's great Yeah
1: and as we enter the the winter Christmas season a lot of places will sell little rosemary plants trimmed into christmas yeah. trees those are a great thing what you do is after christmas is over and they're on clearance Yes. Buy two or three yes. of them, stick them on your windowsills, and you got rosemary for the year.
0: Yes, I actually have done. That. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I have done that. I kind oh, of scoped them out, and I'm like, okay, now I know where to go mm-hmm. after
2: Christmas.
0: So definitely, that's yep. great. Well, thanks so much. Any last words or anything? No, oh, just
1: thank you. I'm- We'll do this again. We'll pick yes, up some more. I'm thinking definitely. oregano or something like that. Oh yes,
0: yeah. yes, please. Definitely, definitely. Right. We'll be we'll have you back again. Okay, so excellent. sage and rosemary. And as always, as I always say, if you're on any kind of medications or whatever and you want to check with your doctor before you do any of this mm-hmm. advice, but uh sounds all great to me. So cool. I know I'm gonna be having my sage and rosemary tea this today. <laughs>
1: excellent, excellent. Thanks again. Right. Oh, Thank go ahead.
0: You. Yes. oh, and tell people where to find you. you oh, are-
1: yeah. Okay. So, medicinemanplantco.com yes. is my website for all of my medicinal plants, ancient plants for modern issues, uh, where I'm bringing back the, the plants of our ancestors and using them the way they did uh-huh. to treat a lot of the modern lifestyle issues. A lot of the modern lifestyle issues are due to the fact that we have prehistoric bodies trying to live in a modern world, and there's a maladaption there. Oh, wow. So like everything from overeating, heart disease, all these sort of things is because we're not living a caveman lifestyle.
0: Yes. Yeah oh my goodness yeah. that's great all right well check check that out that was medicineman.com. did you
1: medicine, medicine kind of long but that's okay that's what we could get
0: but yes exactly they can find you and i'll i'll well, be having i'll put that on my website excellent thank you as well great all right and i'm sure we'll have you back again yes to talk about the other herbs stephanie oh
1: there's plenty of them
0: yes there is all right thanks for right. stopping by and it was nice visiting you in texas as a special guest, um Randall Good, who is an artist, a, a magnificent artist. And um I especially wanted to have him on, not just because I, I was just so impressed with the beautiful artwork. It's so hard to find that type of artwork today, I think there's, you know, a lot of people out there doing modern art, which I guess there's not a problem with, but I just love your artwork. But anyway, so, um, Randall, how are you doing today? I know you're in Texas, right?
2: I am in Texas. Thank you, Maria. It is so great to be here. Thank you. I'm doing very, very well. A little warm <laughs> because it's October and we're going to reach, you know, 90 oh, yeah. oh wow and
0: i'm on the east coast so i'm between yeah. philly and new york and it's really nice we're like at this at the low 60s high uh, 50s so i perfect. love this fall weather but i just wanted to tell everyone how i initially found you and that's because everybody in the world was talking about this magnificent sistine like chapel that randall did um in the ce- on the ceiling of someone's house and it was it's kind of related to the pandemic right and it's sort of a feel good type of thing so I'm gonna let Randall tell you about um this Sistine like chapel painting that he did and it's just unbelievable. But anyway Randall so yes tell us all about that. <laughs> well
2: thanks Maria um yeah you know you're right it is kind of a feel good story because yes so many things came together at this absolute opportune time. You can say that in any way when it's related to COVID. Yes. But the family that commissioned the ceiling, the siblings, are a wonderful, wonderful family, um, family of healthcare workers. Mm. Uh-huh. And they're world travelers and art collectors. So they've been all over the world oh, collecting okay. art from all their trips. And they, like me, very much love Europe and especially Italy. Yes, and they had been talking for a long time amongst themselves about you know what could we would it be possible to commission to do a ceiling like we've seen at the great palazzos and the churches and so forth Uh you know there in Rome and Florence and Mm -hmm. Venice and we met and they asked me you know are you you know they love my work they were great supporters of my work beforehand and they asked me if I was interested and I said absolutely yeah this is like a dream as an artist the dream come true
0: I can imagine
2: to, to, to get us to get the opportunity to paint a ceiling
0: yeah.
2: um, so we met we we agreed on designs and then COVID hit <sighs> so in a weird way it, it, in a weird way it was almost a blessing in the sense that so many galleries shut down yes. art came to a standstill it was really really brutal uh-huh. uh, but I had this opportunity to be isolated in this you know in this room Working on a seedling, sort wow. of, you know, you know, during quarantine, um, yes. and then living out my dream, and it was, you know, and it, and it came together great, uh-huh. you know, really good.
0: Wow, uh, it's it's just an amazing story. So I, I know I also saw a write-up in People Magazine about you too, that as well as everywhere on the internet about this wonderful story. So they were health care workers then. And uh, well, it kind of, I guess COVID kind of, I mean, you know, obviously not really a positive thing, but kind of at least you made something positive out of it, you know, by you were able to do that. There were, wasn't much you that was open, so you were able to use that time to do this Sistine like chapel painting exactly. that you did, and uh, you probably could concentrate on it more because most of the galleries were shut down. So, absolutely,
2: yeah, that's absolutely. very,
0: very interesting. So, I know you told me that. Well, how long did that take you?
2: So, actually, painting time when I was actually up on the scaffolding was about nine months. Wow, and a little over a year uh, in preparation, the yes. preparatory draw, I did the drawings. Uh-huh. Um, I worked very much in the old master style, the old uh-huh. master tradition in that yeah. I did the drawings that uh-huh. with the siblings, they, they loved the composition. And then I transferred them from little, you know, little small drawings, right. Uh, about, you know, say, uh, 14 inches by 10 inches. Uh-huh. And I blew them up to scale. So they're the figures are almost life-size. They're about three quarters life-size. Right. I transferred them to paper, and then I actually attached them to the ceiling and inside and etched along all of the edges. So I transferred sort of the line drawing right up onto the ceiling, like Michelangelo would have done with the pouncing yeah. and transferring the, the charcoal cartoons or or um, that they did, you know, to do fresco. Yes. Now, this is oil, but it's yes. still the same process of transferring that drawing uh-huh. up onto the ceiling. Uh-huh. Then after I'd gotten that done, about nine months of applying the oil. To the to the ceiling, and I also um, what some people don't know and don't realize is there's actually twelve karat white gold leaf up on the ceiling as well. So the halos and some of the intricate um, designs around uh, the moon uh-huh. and in the stars is actually twelve karat white gold leaf that uh, I put up there as well.
0: Wow, and you told me that because um, I know you and your wife have been to Italy, and you told me that you visited this chapel Santa Felicita in Florence, right? And I'm not right. familiar with that chapel, but you know there's so many churches and chapels all there's over. So many. So, <laughs> right. It's like every little part if anybody has been to Italy, you know they're just they pop up everywhere and exactly. it, I'm I'm just when I go there I'm definitely going to make it a, a point to go there. So tell us about how that influenced or the influence, um, that Santa Felicita and the artists you told us about that influenced the, what you did, the Sistine Chapel.
2: So I, I've always loved Renaissance, Italian Renaissance art in particular. Oh. Uh, Michelangelo, is, he's, he's my, he's my guy. He is the ultimate, the pinnacle of art as far as I'm concerned. Yes. But I also studied the Italian manner. Oh. Um, I draw a lot on the mannerist, particularly a painter named Jacopo Pantormo. Uh-huh. what they did they did very elegant compositions and they would take the human figure
0: yes and they
2: would somewhat distort it they would elongate it they would make it very elegant oh, yes. uh, very thin or very muscular and they put them in these um very elegant or contorted or twisted poses so i so my figure work i draw heavily on on that group of artists in particular the Jacopo Pantormo. Mm-hmm. so he painted um this great Uh, painting the deposition it's oil on panel Uh Um, and it lives it resides in the Capone chapel of Santa Felicita he also painted this fresco Uh in that chapel and it's the annunciation so it's just so quiet and elegant and uh-huh. beautiful and ethereal. It's basically just two figures. It's Gabriel on the left side. It's Mary on the right side. Uh-huh. And they're sort of suspended. They're just ethereal in their draperies. And um, the angel's kind of approaching her and she's a little bit turned away from him. And it's and so when, when my wife and I were there, when we stayed uh, in Florence, right near that church, I would just go in there every single morning before we went out sightseeing yeah. uh, and I would just sit in the chaplain and look at the beautiful fresco and then at night when we were done with our sightseeing right before we would go to dinner you know I'd visit the chapel again and just sort of meditate on how beautiful so it's it's not surprising that when I did the composition for the ceiling the Sibley ceiling right. that 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 aesthetic that compositional element of two figures a figure on the left a figure on the right kind of suspended in their drapery um, with this negative space in between them it it definitely influenced how I approach the ceiling and what the final competition looks like and I think that's I think that's how work how art works you build on these great masters you see what they've done and you adapt it to yourself and then make it modern make it your own and carry that tradition forward
0: exactly and you know what you hit the nail right on the head that's what I love about your artwork exactly is you know you didn't it's not a copy of those yes it's in right. I could tell it's influence but you made it your style but it's still kind of in that style but it's your style as well so I guess you Thank could you. say it's a modern style but it's an updated version of the old masters you just took you know something and you updated it to your own style that's that's what it is that I that I really love so much about your style and the paintings that you did so we know that Michelangelo I guess it really wasn't funny but he was like you know like on his back for that whole period of time that he was doing that and I heard all these stories about how I don't know if he almost went blind and all kinds of things doing right doing the Sistine Chapel I think at that time the popes were not all that nice to him either (laughs) so so uh but so how did you uh how did you say you were doing this for nine months like did you do it so many hours a day how did you you must have had to take like so many breaks and then you know kind of off and on how would you do that
2: I did it's it's a funny story well first of all that is the number one question I get asked all the time is did I paint it on my back like yes. that's and I did and uh-huh. I, so I read about and there are some amazing painters out there today that are doing yes. ceiling painting yeah and I and I seen some of them that actually paint standing up They'll oh. stand on the scaffold. They'll bend their neck oh. back. And yes. I tried that for a few days and said, no way. There oh. was my back, my back, my neck was feeling. I could see that really hurting your neck. Yes. It absolutely did. So I came up with a device that so I could lay on my back and get up to about, you know, uh, 20, 24 inches, whatever that distance is right up there next to, to the ceiling. Uh-huh. And um, what was difficult because what you have to do is you you paint for a while, and then you need to get down, crawl back down to the scaffolding, look at it to make sure that it reads, you know, what reads really well from 24 inches away um, might not read so well from down on the floor, 11 feet or 13 feet away from the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. So climbing up and down, climbing up and down, that was a learning curve to yeah. make sure I paid attention and, and didn't just get target fixation and just stay on the scaffolding Uh the other thing i learned is that because i was working so tight meaning i i don't use a lot of big brush strokes i'm very focused on on sections at a time right um that um i had about five to six hours a day and and that was sort of i i could sometimes go further but i found myself getting sloppy Uh and i and it was not worth it and the siblings were so patient they gave me So much time I said, you do it, you do it the way you want to do it. So Uh my average workday was on the scaffold was about five, five hours Uh prior to going up on the scaffold. What intrigues people is that there were a couple of hours beforehand where I actually mixed paint. So I'd mix all my paint up for the day, Uh all the solvents that I would need, Uh have it ready to go. So there was these, you know, a couple of hours of prep time before I could even start getting up on the the scaffold.
0: Yes, yes. Wow! Wow! It's just, I, I, it's just so amazing. That's, that's wonderful. So, um, what? Anything like? What do you have? Is there anything coming up for the future that we can look towards? Any, any other Sistine Chapel like things or anything else that um you're working on?
2: So currently, I'm working on a couple of small like easel painting commissions for Uh, clients and collectors. and then tying into to this the Sibley ceiling. Uh, This was the first of at least two ceilings for them. So maybe, immediately after the holidays, after the new year, um, we'll start meeting again. I'll show them the sketches for the second ceiling. So I'm oh. super excited that oh, we are going to Oh, the second
0: ceiling. Is that- so an, will, Oh, wow. Sorry, yeah, so we'll be painting.
2: <laughs> so the second ceiling will be started, you know, the first part of next year. Wow. and And hopefully we'll get, you know, just as much coverage. People will be interested yes. to see because they're very much related. It'll be nice everybody to see what's the moon room which is basically what we're calling the first ceiling and then the second ceiling is the sun room so it'll be very bright with uh gods and goddesses play you know playing around the 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 allegorical moon if you will or sun excuse me so, yeah, that's coming up and I'm super um, excited.
0: About oh, it. I can imagine. So are these, because I can imagine like, I, you know, as I said, we're going back to this, but you had said, you know, you used to sit and just stare at the, at Santa Felicita, the the Annunciation and all that. And those pictures, just like those paintings, rather, the, as you said, they're ethereal, the colors, they're just like, you, they just put you almost in another world, very relaxing to look at. So these Sistine chapels... Um, that they did are they in like a bedroom or just a special room dining room
2: it's so it's when you walk in their house they are the front two rooms that's what they'll be so if you walk in uh, they have uh to the left which is where the moon the moon room is mm-hmm. uh, it's like a very formal um uh live not a living room it's almost like a A formal greeting room it's got this marble uh this gorgeous imported marble Mm -hmm. fireplace it's got their collected art Mm -hmm. i mean there's um uh art from all over the the globe they've got a beautiful Savonarola chair from italy so it just it just looks like something from from the old world so that's immediately to the left if you walk in and go immediately to the right, is their formal dining room, and that's where the that's where the sun uh, the sun ceiling paint is going oh, to be.
0: Is going to be wow, well, that's that's unbelievable. I could imagine, you know, the, if it's not in a bedroom, then it's a room that if you feel like just meditating and getting away, and you just go there and can just stare at that ceiling. Oh, it must be beautiful. So, when do you think you'll be done that second ceiling? We'll have to have you back on. You said next year.
2: I would love that. Yeah, so I think I think I'll do it a little bit quicker because this was my first ceiling painting ever <laughs> so I learned quite a bit doing this but I anticipate that uh, by Thanksgiving of next year I'm hoping that it will be that it will be done wow. um, and yeah. then we'll let it dry a little bit then we'll come back and put the varnish and protect it
0: yes yes yes. oh that's a little wow that's that's exciting and i just wanted to mention you i know you said we didn't have to but you have a book coming out so people can do you have a book coming out with your
2: artwork i have a i do maria i do have a book that i'm working on it's not coming out i can't say that it's it's coming out um and you and i got a chance to visit a little bit earlier talking about how um several years ago you know i let me back up and say that i am definitely inspired by the italian renaissance in Uh subject matter as well so I had done um, religious commissions. I'd done the 14 stations of the cross for yes. altarpieces and so on and so forth. So I love that iconography. Yes. But back in 2006, 2005, I wanted to come up with my own unique type of subject matter. So I literally started writing a creation very much influenced by some of the classic myths that you would see in the Greek and Roman traditions, mm-hmm. like the Zeus type characters or Apollo, oh, yes. Diana, Artemis, those, those kinds of. Uh demigods feature in my creation myth what it's done is it's given me this wealth of stories and narratives and myths that i can come back and then i illustrate and no one has ever has ever portrayed them before they're completely new so it's the compositions are new and the stories are new and i get to speak to my love of of nature and 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 human and mankind's sort of obligation to treat nature better, to, to realize that, that we're lucky to be a part of this world and this universe. Yes. Um, and there are consequences for us not treating nature and the universe with respect and, yes. and wonder. So yeah. I get to, I get to put that out there as well.
0: Wow. wow. Yeah. I think the, cause I know you mentioned Michelangelo, but I know Da Vinci, who I studied extensively and I actually sure. did a book on some, his foodie side, but he just loved nature and huh. animals, and he would sit and watch them. So I think that a lot of that was conveyed in a lot of the, you know, in a lot of the work that they did. Also, so let me—I just want to ask you: How did you get started in art? Is this something you did from when you were very, very, very young, or did you go to school for it? Is it just, you know, um, a talent that you have? How how did you get involved in art?
2: I, you know what? I for all those, you know. Young artists that are out there, or even yes. parents of young wannabe artists. Yes, I could, that's
0: why I wanted to.
2: <laughs> you could use this as a as a cautionary tale, or as an inspiration <laughs> inspirational tale. But I was one of those kids from the very earliest age that I just drew. When mm-hmm. I was in class and I should have been listening, taking notes, I was just, just drawing, trying. drawing, drawing everything that I could do um, to draw. And then it was very fortunate when I was quite young. Uh, our family my family we lived in Ireland for a while and I I don't know if it's this way anymore but but then they were so encouraging um of artistic creative elements they Uh fostered that so I remember doing reports and I would and I would draw I do drawings you know it should have been a you know a 20-page essay or whatever but instead it was you know 10 pages of writing and 10 pages of uh-huh. illustrating and they and they were encouraging they loved they loved that and then of course ireland was so beautiful that i i just oh, would yes. walk around and make sketches yes. of the things that i saw uh-huh. um, but i didn't i never in, i never imagined it as being a viable career you uh-huh. know you know, oh, how are you going to eat how are you going to going to live exactly. so of all things i went to college on a baseball scholarship i played oh, baseball gosh.
0: Oh, wow. and, which,
2: which was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but the academic dean at the first school I went to, Paris Junior College, was an avid baseball fan uh-huh. and a great man of the world, a great man of letters and art. And he would come to all the games and then I would go to his office after games or before class. And we would just talk about how I did at the baseball game. Uh-huh. And then we would talk about art or writing uh-huh. or whatever, travel and all things. He was a complete Europhile. So I any know, all things that. European we would talk yes. about. Yes. And he encouraged me, he like you know, he saw some of the sketches. Uh-huh. So he encouraged me to pursue it as a possible career. And then when I went to the University of North Texas uh-huh. uh, for my last three years yes. of undergraduate work, I studied painting and drawing and art history. Yeah. And my parents were incredibly supportive and they said, this is your dream, you know,
0: go for it. That's great. That's a great, that's a great story. I'm glad. It's very inspiring too. It sounds like you had some mentors early on that really encouraged you. And I think that's really important with kids because I think so much of the stuff that we do later in life is really formed from when we're very young you and so having right, Maria. mentors that encouraged you. I think that probably um, really influenced your success. So that's great. That's so inspiring.
2: No doubt that's, about it.
0: Yeah, That's great, Randall. So we're looking forward to the second Sistine Chapel. So please <laughs> let us know um, all about that and anything else you're doing. And I want people to know where they can find your artwork. You have a website, right?
2: I do have a website, so it's randallmgood.com. And I would also say that currently I'm exhibiting at Justice Fine Art Gallery in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Okay, yeah. yes. So Justice Fine Art, and then um, you can see my work on my website, uh, randallmgood.com.
0: And any of the exhibits, because I noticed that different, um, your website did list the different dates of different exhibits. So any right. exhibits you have throughout the year are probably on your website then?
2: exactly I and know. then i i'm not the best social media person, but I do do Instagram. So Randall M. Good at Randall M. Good. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you can, so I'll post about that uh, there as well.
0: Oh, that's great. Yes. And I, you know, recommend to anybody, please, um, you know, check out Randall's website and such beautiful artwork, really, really Thank beautiful you. artwork. Thank you so much for being here and much success. And I look forward to having you on again uh, next year. You're going to tell us all about the second Sistine Chapel.
2: I look forward to it. Thank you, Maria. Thank
0: Thank you so you, much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. This is Maria Liberati. What does food mean to you? I'd like to thank my producer, Brittna Roselle for this week's broadcast, and also my special guest, Mark Meriwether von der Bruggen and artist Randall Good. And hope you stop by to the Horsham Farmer's Market this Sunday, October 31st from 10 to 1. Stop by and say hi. I'll be doing a book signing and cooking demo. And there'll be a lot of things going on there for Halloween. Lots of great artisan products.